Welcome to the Half-Baked History... I almost said project. It is a project. Half-Baked History podcast, (laughs) where we get half-baked, and then we talk about history. (laughs) What an intro. We're just going to roll with it. We're just going to go. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back. So, do you think we are doing an event or a person? Oh, definitely a person. I'm putting all my eggs in the person basket. You're so wrong. Dang it. It's an event. My eggs. (laughs) Your babies. I can't believe that you like so fiercely went in on person. I just needed to commit to something. (laughs) For once in my life. For this one time. (laughs) Gosh, what a mistake. It failed you. We're talking about Operation Overlord, otherwise known as, or do you know what Operation Overlord is? No, I've never heard of it. <laughs> well, maybe you know it by one of its other names. Okay. D-Day. Oh, that I've heard of. <laughs> the Battle of Normandy. Yes, I'm familiar with both. <laughs> <laughs> that is Operation Overlord. Okay. Which makes sense that that like, zo- wasn't there like a zombie World War II movie that came out called Overlord? Oh, Yeah. I think there was like a couple years ago. Yeah, you I watched, watched it, it on a plane. I watched it on a plane. Yeah, I think when we were coming back from Paris. I liked it. I don't really remember it though. Was it like a horror movie or like yeah, a scary movie? It's, yeah, kind of. Hmm. It's zombie war. Okay, it might be interesting. To yeah. Watch. So, the Battle of Normandy. How do we? How did we get to this part? How do we get there? What have we been doing in this war? Yeah. After the fall of France, the British, they retreat. Okay. They don't believe that they'd be able to regain a foothold even with American support at this time because it's like, we just don't have the forces. They're just going to get slaughtered. Yeah. So. We need to regroup. Pull out. Yes. (laughs) Stalin wanted a second front opened in the West because the Soviet Union was invaded, but Churchill was like, nah, we need to regroup. You're not going to bully us into opening another front. (laughs) Stalin's like, somebody help. (laughs) I'm dying over here. I can't hold the line. (laughs) And Churchill's like, hold it. I'm busy. (laughs) We are not coming back. Instead of working on the Western front, the Allies begin expanding into the Mediterranean and like are going into Italy. Okay. So this helps to give the troops a lot of experience with amphibious warfare, which is going to come back later when it's or come back in the, you wouldn't come back though but it it's gonna rear its head again <laughs> yes i like really lost myself there for a second what is time <laughs> though are they coming back i don't know amphibious like that's like the water stuff right yes okay yeah like the tanks that can like roll in like certain amount of water they can float yes <laughs> Next up on the agenda is the Trident Conference in Washington, D.C. So this is where Churchill and Roosevelt and like all of their military leaders, they met up and they're like, what the fuck are we going to do? What a name for a conference. I know. The Trident Conference. We need to figure out what to do about this war. Yeah. Has there ever been another like conference like that that gets so named? You know what I mean? I'm sure they probably name stuff stupid things all the time. Well... In this conference, they're meeting almost daily to plan the invasion of Sicily, so in Italy. Okay. I almost said Italy. Italy? Which is like (laughs) really bad Baltimore accent, like real bad. (laughs) The invasion of Sicily, they're deciding on the date for invading Normandy. Okay. And the progress of the Pacific War. What are we going to do about those Japanese? All this while Stalin's holding the line. Yes. They're like... What, Keep so how, holding. We're planning. We're, th- we're figuring things out over here. We're not sure what we want to do. Hang tight. Just keep doing what you're doing. This is great for us. <laughs> so it was decided at this conference that the Normandy invasion would happen within the next year. So they're like, we're coming back. Yeah. But we're, we're not there yet. France will be ours. In a year. Soon. Yes. TBD. <laughs> there were four sites that they considered for D-Day. Um, 
Brittany Cotent. I'm listen. <laughs> I'm gonna read these as an American. I'm not even gonna try French pronunciation. Hey, you got Brittany. I got Brittany. <laughs> Cotentin, Pas de Calais, and Normandy. Mm. Normandy, I know I can okay. say. That's two. Yes. So Brittany and Coton. That the C one. The C one. Cotentin. <laughs> We're going with that. They're both peninsulas, so that's not going to work because the Germans could cut them off too easily. We can't invade there. Peninsulas? Peninsulas. Okay. What did you think I said? No, it just sounded like you said it funny. <laughs> no, I said it right. Peninsula. Peninsula. Pen- <laughs> Peninsula. <laughs> now you're making me overthink it. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're moving on. We're not choosing these sites anyway. Off the peninsula? Pas de Calais was the closest point from Britain to Europe. Like the English Channel was at its narrowest there. Okay. Germany considered this to be like the likely spot for an invasion. So it's already heavily fortified. Yeah. You There's don't want to no go con- there. No. The Germans, they're like, we dare you. Please. Please. Make our day. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, the Allies aren't even really considering that location anyway, because there are too many rivers and canals they could get cut off. Okay. That one's off the map. Off the map. So that leaves Normandy. So it has a nice, like, broad front that can be used for... What? I was just thinking about describing Normandy as a nice, broad... (laughs) It's a real nice broad. Let me tell you about her. It's beautiful. (laughs) You're going to love it there. So you can have simultaneous launch attacks there because of how wide it is, like however many miles. I see. So you can like split up Germany's forces. Exactly. And from there, it's easy to go to other big ports. They can do a land attack on Paris. It's like perfect location. Germany's not going to know what hit them. And let me tell you, they do not. (laughs) The original plan for invasion was May 1st, 1944. Okay. So official planning begins. It's going to happen in May. It's going to be May. It's going to be May. (laughs) (laughs) That's how they ended. That's how they ended. Briefing? Yep. That's how they ended the Trident Conference. (laughs) They just brought in the boombox, did a little dance number, and then got out of there. General Eisenhower was appointed as commander of. Dude, this is the most ridiculously named thing. Lay it on me. I'm ready. The Supreme Headquarters Allied Expeditionary Force. Mm. I didn't get any of that. No, it just—it's all just—it's all just words. Yeah, it's word salad. Okay, he's a guy. He's in charge of. We're going to call it. They—they uh, they refer to it as Shafe. Excellent, Shafe, Master Shafe. He is the master of the Shafe. <laughs> the supreme leader of the Shafe. Shafe is the largest number of formations ever committed to one operation in a military. This is like the biggest attack okay. we will ever do. Oh, so Shafe is like the name of the attack. It's like the pro- like the project, it's like the, the mission. It's like the name of everyone he commands. Oh, okay. Like the armies. The so navies. it's like a group. Yes. Got it. He is the commander of all of yeah. this. I was like, I know it must be important to be the head of Shafe, but what is it? Here's what it is. <laughs> So it's made up of Americans, Free French. Did I say French? No, but now free, you did. <laughs> free French, British, and Canadian forces. So everybody's in. All these people, they're all they're, they're all, all under shafe. Under shafe. Yes. <laughs> Even the Canadians get involved. I I'm gonna be honest with you, didn't know the Canadians were involved in World War Two. Oh yeah. They get involved. They get their hands dirty. Well, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. It commands all of the Allied Airborne Forces and three army groups under that. Okay. So oh, it's so he, like a shit ton of people. So he's like commander of the skies, kind of. Skies and land. Yeah. Land and skies. <laughs> Underneath of him is General Bernard Montgomery. He's a British senior ar- army officer who commands all of the land forces. So this okay. guy... He's doing the land invasion. Bernard's in charge. Yes. 
He's going to lead the way on land. Exactly. So Eisenhower and Montgomery insist that the initial invasion needs to be expanded. Bigger. We need, we need to have a wider front and we need to capture this port that's at this town, Cherbourg. 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 We need all the troops. A bigger operation. Bigger operation. Spread it. Do they get it? They get it. Okay. But this pushes them back a month. So now we're looking at June 1944. Uh, okay. No longer May. No. It's delayed. no longer going to be May. No. It's, yeah, it's delayed. So when all is said and done, the Allies commit 39 divisions to the Battle of Normandy. So that breaks down as like 22 Americans, mm -hmm. 12 British, three Canadian, one Polish. Oh, shout out. And one French. Okay. And that's like the divisions. Yes. That's, this is everybody that's attacking. How many people are in a division? I am so glad you asked. Thank you. That I'm is glad you know the answer. Literally my next bullet point. <laughs> so this is according to the Department of Defense, our Department of Defense. One division can be between 10 to 15,000 people. Wow. And there was 20 some? There was 91. Divisions? Yes. Wow. So we're looking at over a million troops. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and Eisenhower is in control of all of it. Yeah. Okay. Let's do this thing. Good thing he's got Montgomery with him, I guess. Yeah. Talk about fucking pressure, dude. Yeah, you got to make some right decisions there. Like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. No wonder he becomes president later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like makes me want to like, ooh, like pull my collar. Feeling sick today. Feeling a little hot under this the collar. Day. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the plan? Yeah. What is this operation? We've got the name, Overlord. What are we doing? There are a lot of operations underneath of Operation Overlord. Sure. So we're going to get into some of them. It might get a little confusing. Okay. But just remember that these are under the big umbrella. Well, they have to do a bunch of things to make it all work. So Exactly. There are three major operations happening underneath of this. Okay. So the main phase, this is like D-Day. Right. That's Operation Neptune. What a great name. Love that. Perfect name. Operation Neptune. This is the amphibious... and Oh my God. <sighs> Invasion... Is tripping me up so much for whatever reason. Not that hard a word, but... I know. Today. <laughs> today it is. Invasion. <laughs> I know how to say it. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I don't need you <laughs> to pronounce <laughs> I know the word. The whole point of Operation Neptune is so that they can secure a foothold to then be able to like spring box off. Okay, so they need like to secure like a landing spot or yeah, something. Exactly. We need to be able to bring in ports so that we can have shipments of people brought Got in. Got it. Get us that port. The Allies also launch a bombing campaign codenamed Point Blank. Okay. Point Another blank. great name. Yeah. So this is like planes. Yes. And they're targeting the German aircraft produ production. German aircraft production, uh huh, <laughs> fuel supplies, and airfields. So they're bombing all those. Okay. They're trying to like cut them off before exactly. the reinforcements can come. Exactly. The whole goal is to cripple their aircraft strength and draw them away from the Normandy area. Operation. Point blank. Point blank. That's not what I was going to say. <laughs> what were you, you going to say? Operation Neptune? Breakpoint. Breakpoint. <laughs> 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 equally i would say on the same I cool mean, level people would like, know what, what operation i was talking about point blank sounds like a surfer movie isn't it a surfer movie or i something? don't know i don't know that maybe it's something or something similar but it sounds like i don't know anyway so this campaign takes place from june of 1943 so a year before d-day up until april of that year. Oh, so they've been bombing them all this time? Yeah. Just bombing runs. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Ne Softening them up. Exactly. 
<laughs> Next is the transport plan. So this focused on destroying the German communications and like road and rail links. So they're not getting any reinforcements. Okay. And so, yeah, there's a lot going on mm-hmm. underneath Operation Overlord. Yes. And this takes place from March 1944 up until August. So this starts like just a little before they land. Okay, cool. So another reason that these attacks are so like widespread and take place over different times is so that it avoids revealing the exact location of where the operation's going to happen. Yeah, that makes sense. They don't want to on their toes. They don't want them to know. Exactly. Like, Normandy's a secret. Exactly. It's this little diamond in the rough beach and you'd never suspect it. We're going to just have a beach day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to have a beach off. I'll beat you off. <laughs> Before Overlord could take place, though, there had to be multiple rehearsals. Oh, how do you... Rehearse? Yeah, how do you? How does one rehearse the Normandy beach invasion? <laughs> so they literally just do, like, practice runs of, like, depart from an amphibious tank. Amphibious? Amphibious? Yes. A- I said amphibious the last time. <laughs> amphibious attack. Like, we're going to pull up the tanks, you run off. Okay, but so they just pull up on American beaches. No, this is happening in a British seaside town. Oh, They, okay. like, totally evacuate the town. Can wow. you imagine the army rolling up and being like, hey, we got to practice? Yeah. You got to go. Get lost. Mm-hmm. Man. Well, World War II is a different time. Yeah. But no, I can't imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) But they choose this town because the beach itself is really similar to Normandy. So they're like, this is the best location. Sorry. Okay. So they did also use live fire. So unfortunately... Wait. What? They... Okay. Go on. (laughs) So there's a friendly fire incident. It kills... Upwards of 450 people. 400? What happened? It was, I don't know, it's just an incident. An incident? <laughs> Can you imagine reporting that to your boss? Uh, so... There was an incident. We had an incident today. 450 people are dead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, friendly fire. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Man, those poor souls. The next day, oh gosh, 750 American soldiers and sailors are killed by ger- German torpedo boats. Oh, wow. So, like, the war has come to them. They're, like, on their way to practice. Oh. And they get they killed get sunk. by... Yeah. Dang. Mm-hmm. Man, those U-boats. They got them good. Sneaky. This wasn't the only area to do practice runs, though. They also did uh, exercises in Scotland for, like, the landing craft and live ammunition. So, like, they all got to practice. Oh, okay. In Northern Ireland, they did all of the naval exercises. And then in London, they did, like, medical teams prepared for, like, the waves of casualties that they were expecting to come back. Man, you don't really think about all the preparation they do mm-hmm. before like a battle or yeah. a big operation. Yeah. Cause like you really, I feel like when I think of battle, yeah, I think in like medieval times, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, then they would train like just to walk in like formation and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but also like you have like field doctors and stuff. I don't think about like in modern times, you have to do that at hospitals. <laughs> like, yeah. Man. All this practice. Yeah. Well, clearly, it was the way to do it. A lot of preparation goes into it. I yeah. mean, they were like, they were prepared. Yeah. They, they've they only lost like a thousand people so far. Yeah. I mean, out of a million, that's pretty good. Think of how bad it would have gone if they didn't practice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the success of Operation Overlord is dependent upon the whole thing being a secret, though, too. Yeah. Well... Naturally. So what are they going to do to keep it a secret? Yeah. Like, do the Soviets know about this? Have they been, like, informed that this is happening? Yeah, I think so. 
Only the topmost levels of the armed forces knew the exact date and location of the landings. Gotcha. So it was like very classified information. Very secret. Top secret. The most secret. The biggest secret (laughs) of all time. To be able to brief the troops that were going to be like a part of the operation, Uh they were able to use maps that were like correct in every detail, but there are no names of the locations. Oh, okay. Interesting. Most of the soldiers weren't told where they were going until they were already at sea. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, just get on this boat. Yeah. We're going to war and uh, we can't tell you where. We're going places. The men are also then sealed into their assembling areas in May, and they're completely cut off from the outside world at this yeah. point for a month before Man. battle. Can you, like, imagine? Yeah, that's a lot of isolation. But, I mean, you need that element of surprise. Exactly. But, yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But even that level of secrecy isn't going to be enough. No. It's not enough. The Allies made sure that Germany had all the wrong information about where they would be invading. Oh, so they like leaked bad info? Yes. Cool. So here are all the deception tactics that are carried out. And this operation is called Bodyguard. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. Operation Bodyguard. So they use some very sneaky sneak tactics with Mm, the Germans. Tell me. They use two fake radio traffic campaigns to lead the Germans into thinking that an attack is coming on Norway. Oh. And Calais. Okay. So, again, Calais is the one that's like the closest point to Britain. So they're like, yeah, that's where we're going. Yeah, we're definitely going there. 100%. And we're going in July. We're not yeah. even going in June. No. Forget about June. Forget about it. We're going to Calais. <laughs> we are as dumb as you think we are. <laughs> They have an entire fake army created. They do dummy tanks, trucks, Uh landing crafts. They position it in Britain across from Calais to like make it look like this big host is building. So it's it's like just shells? Yeah. It's like all fake? It's all fake. That's crazy. They even station General Patton, like the famous Patton. Uh Uh-huh. They station him there to make it seem like... This host is building. So you just have some fake ass shit there. Yeah. And then some real soldiers just kind of like making it look real. Exactly. They wow. keep all of that there until July. So after the attack to make it seem like they're going to come like a second wave was going to come at Calais. Yeah. Make it seem like their fleet is bigger than it is. Uh huh. Man, the things you could do before satellites like. Exactly, dude. They're like, just pulling up the periscope. They're like, oh, man. Well, I even read an article that was like, why this wouldn't work today. Yeah. Like, it was a feat of its time. Yeah, you could never do that now. No. One of their other little sneaky sneak tactics was capturing German spies and turning them to double agents. Mm. So the Germans think that they have this big, extensive network of spies in the UK. Oh. They're like, we've got our nails in deep. Our hooks are in the walls. Exactly. We're listening. Really, almost all of their agents had been compromised. I'm a double agent. Literally, yeah. (laughs) One agent that was like turned double agent leading up to D-Day for two years creates a fake network of informants pushing that the invasion is going to happen at Calais, where the fake army is. Man, that's that's some dedication. Two years! That's some double agentry shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally, in Operation Bodyguard, there's the naval component. So the Air Force, they're able to, like, fake an invasion force coming. Okay, so, so they, like, they're flying... They drop corn husks to make it look like bombers oh, like paratroopers? are paratroopers? Yeah. Wow. Corn husks. So that on radar, it looks like people are dropping. Yeah. While they're doing this, they have small boats that are also towing like these reflector balloons. So okay. on radar, it looks like this huge fleet is coming. Man, the trickery is afoot. Dude, they are so sneaky sneak. Mm. 
the fuckery. <laughs> it is a fuckery. <laughs> so we're quickly careening to June 1944. Oh, yeah. We're, it's, it's all coming together. May's about to be over. It's invasion time. The deception has worked. We're going in. What could stop us now? Nothing. Except for the weather. Oh, <laughs> damn it. The people that are in charge of planning the invasion had a specific set of conditions that needed to be met for the mission to take place. It's got to be the perfect beach day. Literally. <laughs> the most perfect beach day you could imagine. Here are the specifications. We need a full moon. That wow. way, you know, the aircraft pilots have light to fly during the night. Sure. And it provides the highest tide. We need that. Love the high tide. The landings needed to take place just before dawn. So that there was like, we were midway between low and high tide. Okay. So that we'd then have better visibility of like whatever obstacles Germany put up. Yeah. What are we going to have to get past? Exactly. But also, this allows our men to not be exposed as long. Smart. Okay. Has to be perfect water depth. Wind speed matters. Oh, no. Visibility, cloud cover. Yeah. Eisenhower had tentatively picked June 4th as the assault date. Yeah. Not possible because of the winds. Mm. Throw that out the window. Too heavy of seas. Try again. Like, imagine being like, okay, we're ready. Let's go. And it's like, nope. Storm's coming in. The sea is angry today, my friends. <laughs> We cannot invade. We cannot invade. Another aspect working in the Allies' favor is that they controlled the Atlantic airspace. So the mm. German meteorologists don't have as much info as the Allies do. Gotcha. Okay. So they like, they think at their meteorological center in Paris yeah. that this big storm is coming for two weeks. Like, it's going to be terrible weather. Okay. Every Batten down the hatches. There, nobody's attacking in this weather. Mm -mm. So a lot of German commanders left their post. Oh, they're like, we're not even going to defend in this weather. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> there's absolutely no way. So they go over 130 miles away to do like these war games. Okay, that doesn't sound like it's going to be a good decision at all. No, it's not. Also, a lot of them give their men leave. So many units are just like, bye. Well, I'm, I'm on vacation. I mean, if your boss doesn't have to be there, you shouldn't have to be. Exactly. So I can't blame them. By June 4th, the Allied meteorological team, another thing I did not know that they like needed during wartime. Didn't even think about it. Yeah. What's the weather? Yeah. It's important. We need to know when is the most perfect time to invade. Give me the weather report. <laughs> <laughs> so they predicted that the weather would improve by like june 6th so like two days away we're Ooh, gonna have a okay. break in the storm that's exciting only two more days and the germans don't know about yeah. it germans like two more weeks yeah no, we're on vacation Whew. we got a lot of time between now and then <laughs> so before we get into the invasion and subsequent battle let's look at what the germans are doing let's look to the germans yeah what's happening let's see what they're doing to prepare other than fucking off those rascals so we're going to go all the way back to 1942. Okay. Germany has control of France. Hitler orders the construction of the Atlantic Wall. We're mm. going to build a wall. Love my walls. It's going to be over 2,400 miles long. And it goes from Spain all the way to Normandy. Man, what a worthwhile pursuit. <laughs> Dude, like that alone, the, the amount of miles, it's like, it's not going to happen, dude. Yeah. It's not going to happen. But a waste. So he's putting in bunkers, landing obstacles, mm -hmm. mines. You know, yeah. this is the plan. He envisions that it's going to have like 15,000 gun platforms. There are going to be 300,000 troops there. Like, it's going to be well defended. Man, that's quite the vision. It, of course, does not work. <laughs> There's a shortage of manpower, for one. I was going to say, that's a lot of people on the wall. Yeah. And we don't have the concrete. We mm. can't do it. We can't build. We don't have the rocks. 
So a lot of this Atlantic wall isn't built except for around like port cities. Okay. Since Calais was the location most likely for the Allied invasion, where our little fake army is, that area was heavily defended. But the rest of the French coast is pretty open. Yeah. They're focusing everything on Calais. Okay. They haven't like really built the wall over there. Exactly. Gotcha. All right. So the next year in 1943, Hitler appoints German Field Marshal Erwin Rommel to oversee more like building. Okay. Let's start building up more walls. Ramp this up. Exactly. Defend France. So he starts believing that Normandy, the beach, could possibly be a landing location. Yeah, he's like, look at how big and beautiful this beach is. This is, it could be well defended. If I were to land on a beach. It would be this one. (laughs) So he orders more like defensive construction there, like to start there. Okay. We're building here. He puts in more concrete gun emplacements, wooden stakes. He gets like mines that he puts down. Yeah. These big like metal tripods so that landing craft can't come. Sure. He's doing everything he can. Seal off the beach. There's going to be no beach offs on this beach. Mm -mm. He believes if an invasion did occur, the best chance of stopping it was at the shore. So like, don't let them get past the shore. If we, if they get past it, we're done. We're done for. Dunzo. Dunzo. I I mean, that sounds like a sound defensive plan. Yeah. So he requests for more mobile reserves, especially tanks, to be stationed as close to the coast as possible. Mm -hmm. Backups. Exactly. This is what we need. He apparently was in the minority opinion. People did not agree with him. They were like, you are crazy. They're coming to Calais. You dummy. Nobody cares about that. Normandy sucks. We hate Normandy. Just go back to your beach. Hitler does indulge him. He's like, all right, but I'll shut you up. And he (laughs) gives Rommel operational control of three tank divisions. Okay. As his reserves. The other three he's keeping around Paris. All right. So he helps him like a little bit. Exactly. On its face, this seems like a win for Rommel. He gets three tank divisions. He's like, hell yeah, tanks. I love tanks. I love tanks. Thank you for the tanks. More tanks. But only one of those three tank divisions was going to be close enough to be in striking distance to the Normandy beach. Oh. The other three are spread out along the coast. So really, he's only getting control of like one. Yeah. And he can't move them. They have to stay there. Well, and on top of that, he's not even allowed to move them without Hitler's direct approval. Oh, well, that sounds like great management. <laughs> yeah, he's Hitler is micromanaging. Yeah. And this is going to bite him in the butt. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to all micromanagers. That's right. You will always get bit in the butt. Don't be like Hitler. Don't <laughs> be like Hitler. So that all was in 1943. Okay. 1944, things are looking even more bleak for the yeah. Germans. The combat losses throughout the war means that Germany is no longer having a pool of like young people to draw from yeah we've exhausted our men nobody else wants to fight for us (laughs) their soldiers on average are six years older than the allied soldiers so like that's that's a lot older that's not good in soldier years in soldier years that's that's a lot older (laughs) yeah and like the longer the war goes on the worse that'll be exactly Many of the uh, soldiers that were stationed in the Normandy area were either drafted or they're volunteers from, like, the eastern regions. So they're not even, like, the trained German army. Yeah, they're new. They're fresh. They're like, yeah, I guess I'll fight for Germany. What else am I going to do? Yeah. So you don't have your most passionate guys fighting for you in Normandy. Uh Uh-oh. The equipment that they have is mostly stuff that was captured Or, like, totally unreliable. Just, like, give them the shitty stuff. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And they have no motorized transports. No wonder this guy wanted, like, some more defenses for Normandy. Yeah. He's like, dude, they're going to fuck me up. He's like, if they find out how shitty this place is, they're definitely coming, man. This is a weak weak point for us. The weakest of points. (laughs) 
Germany's Western Front in general through France is significantly weakened of people and materials because a lot of them were being transferred to the Eastern Front because the Soviets are still pressing on. Yeah, the Soviets are like, hey, we never stopped. We're still here. We have our offensive. Thanks for joining the war. Yeah. They're also forced to transfer all of their armored corps, which included their like elite tank divisions. Okay. So they're moving from France to Russia. Yeah. So all those tanks that he asked for in 1943, they're going back to the Eastern Front. They're gone. (laughs) Bye-bye. Man, this guy's really getting the shaft. Yeah. They eventually returned to France in May of 1944, but they needed an extensive refit. And by June, only four of the 11 divisions are fully operational. So (laughs) they are significantly weakened. Things are not looking good. All four of the tank divisions are stationed at Calais. They're not even at Normandy. Okay. So he literally has nothing backing these guys up. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't feel bad for the Germans, but this guy specifically, nobody's listening to him. Nope. He's ringing the bell. He's got the red flag waving. (laughs) So that's where Germany's at. Yeah. It's time to invade. It's invasion day. It's June 6th. So I thought we would start off the invasion by hearing uh, what General Eisenhower wrote to all of his troops going to war. Okay. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, You will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Man. (laughs) I really sold that, dude. I mean... (sighs) I gave that my all. Whoa. That was a good reading of it. That was a performance. That would not motivate me to invade a a beach of a foreign country and about to die. (laughs) Dude, people were more patriotic by then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was a good is a good letter, speech, whatever. It's a good speech. So by May of 1944, troops were already beginning to assemble in Britain. The British, Canadian, and American troops are spread out throughout the entire, like, southern coast so that it doesn't look like we're focused in one area. Okay. They're leaving from 20 different departure points. So that's like how spread out we're talking. Wow. That's, yeah, that's a massive operation. So the ships then meet at their little like rendezvous point. Yeah. They all meet up in the English Channel. Let's all meet up in the sea. We'll all high five before we leave. <laughs> and then they start convoying across the channel. Okay. So we're, we're moving. We're grooving. We're headed to land. On the evening of June 5th, the minesweepers begin clearing lanes in the channel. Okay. What are minesweepers? I would expect you to know since you play that game all the time. Dude, it is probably the nerdiest thing <laughs> about me is that I play minesweeper and I genuinely enjoy it. Yeah, you you play it a lot. Am I weird? <laughs> Hard to say. (laughs) No, I don't know what a minesweeper is. I mean, I guess it's some sort of sub or boat that can detect bombs in the water. On the evening of June 5th, they also send out a thousand bombers and they start attacking like all of the coastal defenses. Oh, so Normandy's already being hit at this point. Mm -hmm. We are one night before landing day. Yeah. So the guy knows at this point that was like crying wolf. He's like, here it Something's is. Something's coming. Why are they bombing us? What could it be? What's happening? <laughs> Just after midnight, another 1,200 aircraft depart from England. And they're transporting three airborne divisions that are dropping behind enemy lines before the beach landings. So okay. they're already there. So it's going to be a pincer attack. Exactly. 132,000 men are transported by sea on D-Day. That's a lot. That's of a lot. People. That's a lot of people. 
Another 24,000 are being transported by air. Man. Okay. So it's like a quarter million? Yeah. Wow. They are coming. They are rolling up. So now we're at morning of June 6th. Mm -hmm. From 545 to 625, the naval bombardment begins. They're just shooting off bombs from boats. Man, that's got to be like kind of cool. Just shooting like from your boat yeah. at the land. I mean, listen, bombs are terrible things. Oh, yeah, no. But this all so, sucks. They're so cool to watch explode. Oh, yeah. But it sucks. <laughs> War sucks. I'm not condoning bombing. Yeah. I'm also thinking of like cannonballs. Yes. I know that's not what's happening, but in but my that's, head. Yeah. I'm thinking that we're at like Tortuga. <laughs> And the cannonballs are being shot off of the Black <laughs> The infantry begins arriving on beaches by 6.30 a.m. Okay. They're coming. So there are five sectors of beach along the 50-mile coastline. All right. Here are their code names. Sword. Juno. Okay. Gold. Mm-hmm. Omaha. And Utah. Okay. Everybody knows Omaha Beach. Yeah. Everybody in America knows yeah, Omaha every- Beach. That's what we're taught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so U.S. divisions are storming Utah and Omaha Beach. Uh-huh. The U.K. is storming Gold Beach and Sword along with France. They're okay. linking up with the British. And Canada is storming Juneau Beach. It's a lot of beach. Omaha Beach is the most heavily defended. That's where the most casualties happen. There are more casualties on Omaha Beach than the four other landing beaches combined. Man, what a bad straw to draw. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Strong currents forced many of the landing crafts further east than their intended position on Omaha Beach or just delayed them entirely. So the men are being fired upon by the cliffs above. Oh, because they didn't land in the right spot. Exactly. I I thought the weather needed to be perfect. It, you can't account for riptide. Guess not. There are also major problems clearing the beach, which halts the vehicle landings. So yeah. they're just like backing up. By noon, the artillery fire from the ships are taking its toll on the Germans. Thank God. Finally. Finally. Finally, we made it done. And they're starting to run out of ammunition, too. So like, oh, thank God. They're really going to be done. Yeah. So U.S. soldiers are finally then able to clear lanes. And at that point, like vehicles are able to then like land on the beaches. Okay. So they've like broken through somewhat. Yes, exactly. Their objectives aren't accomplished. Is my ear pleading? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Why don't you pause this? You are on Omaha Beach. Okay. So my ear is no longer bleeding. Yes. Welcome back. Welcome back. So the other landing beaches were much more successful, but they all ran into quite a few problems as well. Wasn't it wasn't a smooth sailing. No. Okay. This was not a smooth landing. We obviously we won the day, but like at what cost? Yes. Yeah. And well, I'll tell you what the cost Ugh, is. Okay. So on Gold Beach, the conditions were difficult for the landing crafts and the aerial attacks failed to hit their mark, but they are able to make their objective of making contact with the Canadian forces. So Gold, if mm. you remember, were, I think that was the British. Okay. So they link up. That's yeah. like the whole plan. They link up with the Canadian forces. So it's like our beachfront is cleared. Yeah, united front. Exactly. Things are okay. So they link up with Juno. So on Beach Juno, the landings were delayed because of rough seas, and the men arrived ahead of their supporting armor. So they suffer a lot of heavy losses yeah. during their disembarkment, but still able to link up. Are they the ones that like got blown off course? Um, or was that back at Omaha? That was... Back That was back at Omaha, but okay. I mean, that happens pretty much across the board. Gotcha. Everybody's off a little bit. So the Canadians are able to cl- uh, quickly clear their beaches and connect with gold. So then the last beach is Sword, and that's the one 
That's, I think, like the French. Yeah, you said the French, and I think like British also. Yeah, so things are a bit more smooth there. They're able to like clear the beach, make their exit lanes mm. for the tanks. They're good. Give the French the easy one. Yeah, which we beach, got it. Which beach is the easiest? Ah, uh, we'll go there. We will go to Sword. <laughs> and that they did. So you said at what cost? Yes, what is, what is the toll? There are at least 10,000 allied casualties. That includes like injured, missing. That's not fully deaths. Okay. But there are over 4,000 that are deaths. Mm. Man, that's a bloody, bloody day. The Germans lose 6,000 men. Mm. So the invasion plan was to capture four of the German-occupied towns and all of the beaches, having them linked with a front line that's like six to 10 miles deep from the beach. Okay. So that so was like the goal. Establish the perimeter. Exactly. The new foothold in France. None of these objectives were met. Oh, dang. <laughs> After D-Day. Shoot. So that happened on June 6th, I had said. Uh -huh. So the beaches are all connected by the 12th of June. They're able to like finally swing out and get all of those. Okay, only a week, you know. Yeah, that's not bad. And by that point, the Allied troops have a 60-mile-long front, and it's 15 miles deep. So, like, they're doing pretty good. We're getting places. Yeah, they're making a lot of a lot of moves. The last town, though, so I said they had to do four towns. Mm -hmm. The last town wouldn't be liberated until the 21st of July. So they had to wait a bit longer, but within the month, they met their objectives. We're delaying your liberation. Yeah. Just <laughs> hang tight. We'll get to you. So even though so much went wrong and they didn't meet their actual objectives on D-Day, it's still very much a win for the Allies because it got them that foothold that they needed. Well, it's a huge success. Exactly. It could have gone way bad. Yeah. I mean, Germany is completely overrun. They mm -hmm. retreat. So like they did what they came to do. Yeah. If they were more prepared, the Allies would have not been uh, set forward like exactly. that. Exactly. So around 160,000 troops crossed the English Channel on D-Day. And by the end of August, more than 2 million Allied troops were able to enter France through Normandy. Oh, yeah. So it does just become like their new hub. That's their gateway. Yeah. We're going to take France back. In. Yep. It's like a full canal. <laughs> so that all was just phase one of Operation Overlord. That's like what we know of... The best. Yeah. There's a whole phase two after that. Our, oh, man. So let's get into phase two. Yeah. What's next? So the next part continues for the next two months until the end of August. That's when Operation Overlord is complete and done and they can move on. Okay. The end of August. So this is all happening in that two month span. So to the west of the Normandy beaches was the town Cherbourg. Right. That place. That place. It's a heavily fortified port, and this is considered vital to the Allies. We have to get in there. It's the only deep water port in the area. Okay. So reinforcements could then be brought directly in from the U.S. Yeah. Like, this is great, but things could be better. Right. Let's take Cherbourg. <laughs> Let's get Cherbourg. <laughs> so here's what, if they don't get Cherbourg... It sounds like I'm saying it like so terribly, Listen, but like if I don't get Sherborg, <laughs> this is what they would have to go through. So transits coming from the U.S. bringing supplies, people, whatever, mm -hmm. they would first have to unload in Great Britain, unpack everything, yeah, get it waterproofed. <sighs> then they have to reload it to be transferred to the shallow water ports of Normandy. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely an obstacle. Yeah. And it's like, we could just come right on into Cherbourg. Let's get it. Let's do it. It's up to the American forces to occupy the peninsula that Cherbourg is on because okay. it's directly behind Utah and Omaha Beach. Mm. So that's their phase two. Yeah. It, you guys have to go deal with that. Yeah. Cut off this peninsula. Thanks for dealing with Omaha Beach. Now go get that go, port. Go handle that. Yeah. <laughs> The terrain, of course, is super rough to get across. The roads are way too narrow for tanks to go through. 
And the Germans flooded all of the fields behind the beaches with seawater so that you just like could not get through. Man. Sounds horrible. Yeah. So obviously it's not overtaken very easily. The U.S. first had to cut off the peninsula from further reinforcements coming in. Okay. Smart. Yeah. So they're able to finally cut it off by June 17th. So 11 days past the landing at Omaha Beach. By the 26th of June, the port is taken. So it takes another nine days past that to then get the port. I mean, I feel like that's not that bad. That's it's all within a month. You know, it's not you kind of like wait them out. Yeah. Block them off. Only problem was that the Germans destroyed all of the port facilities before they retreated. (laughs) So they're not brought back to full operation until September. Wow. Of course they did. Yeah. They're like. If we can't have it, fuck you and fuck you too. This is our deep water port, Sherborg. <laughs> this is our Sherborg. Get your own. <laughs> Happening simultaneously to that was the liberating of the city Kane. And this is where a lot of the Panzer Division of tanks are located. So okay. like those elite tanks, the British have to take care of liberating Kane. Okay, so they're up against a tank force. Yeah, good fucking luck. Yeah. The British and the Germans soon hit a stalemate, which then further delays because of storms coming through. The city of Kane is finally recaptured by July 21st, but the city is nearly destroyed in the process. Oh, yeah. I mean, those tanks are just rolling through shit and just like blowing everything apart. Fucking shit up. So after they take, after the U.S. takes uh, Cherbourg, and after the British and the Canadians take Kane, the Allied forces then regroup and they're breaking out from like the Normandy area. Okay, finally, they're like, we've we've established our place. We've got Cherbourg. We've got Cherbourg. Kane's our place, and we're breaking out. And the Soviets are like, thank God, we've met our objectives of Phase One. We are officially graduated into Phase Two. We are in Phase Two. We're coming for the Soviets. We're going to pinch them. Yeah. We're coming to meet you guys. Yeah. Sandwich in the middle. So on top of them just being totally not prepared at all, they're also severely hindered during this time because Hitler is insisting that he has to make all major decisions. Ah, excellent. He's not like, yeah, he's not dispersing the decision making at all. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we said he was a micromanager. He's, yeah, he's... Like we said, let this be a lesson to the micromanagers. Don't be like Hitler. Don't let the power get to your head. Mm-mm. So this would leave his forces without orders sometimes for up to like 24 hours. <laughs> so like they're just sitting there waiting of like, do we retreat? Do we attack? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Wh- who knows what to do? We'll just keep waiting. You can't run an army that way, dude. Oh, man. No wonder it fell apart. So Eisenhower originally wanted to bypass Paris because Paris is occupied Uh at this time. And he wanted to focus on other targets. But Charles de Gaulle insists that, no, Paris needs to be taken immediately. We're receiving reports that there are like starving citizens there. Hitler has already said that he wants to destroy the city. Mm -hmm. We're going to Paris. Yeah, we're going to save it before it's wiped off the map. Exactly. So Eisenhower just says... Oui, oui. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, yes. Oui, oui. <laughs> and they take Paris. Okay. So by August 19th, there's uh, this group called the French Resistance in the Paris. French Resistance. The French Resistance. They are located in Paris, and they're this group that rose up against the Germans occupying the city. Okay. So they've just been like holding out. Yeah, exactly. So Paris and like northern France has been occupied since 1940. So for the past four years. Wow. It's a long time. The French resistance is a small group of armed men and women who are doing like guerrilla warfare. Right. They're publishing like underground newspapers and they're giving firsthand intelligence to the allies. Okay. So they're they're spies. Exactly. Kind of. And they have this whole like literal underground escape network. Okay. Like an underground railroad to get out. Wow. Okay. Mm. So French forces arrive from the West on August 24th and the U.S. press upward from the South. So it's like a 
they're grabbing. They're coming in. They're, yeah. <laughs> I wish we were still taking pictures because it really looks like I'm like grabbing a butt. Yeah, right there. Just right on it. Within 24 hours, Paris is liberated. Wow. That's, that's all it takes. All it took. If they only just needed a little bit more power, the French resistance. And they're like, we could have had them. Yeah. We Man. just needed this extra help. Thanks, guys. I, it's good there was a force there mm -hmm. to help inform them. So the British and Canadian operations, because that's what France and America are doing. Uh -huh. The British and the Canadian operations also continue through France to the end of August. And by August 29th, the Germans officially retreat over the Seine River into like the north of France and out. So mm. Operation Overlord comes to a close. We're done phase two. The Germans are past the sun. We've taken France. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I obviously I didn't know there was two phases. Yeah, exactly. Because you only ever hear about D-Day. And it's yeah. like, what the fuck happens over D-Day? Well, it sets everything in motion. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like, it, it worked. You yeah. don't really, and that's kind of it. This was our big moment. Yeah. And then after that, the war was ours. Yeah. Man, and the Soviets were just taking that pounding the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> so I have like some final like numbers. Okay. And yeah. like facts. So the Normandy landings were the largest seaborne invasion in history up to that point. Mm. There was nearly 5,000 landing and assault craft. 289 escort vessels, and 277 minesweepers. That is a lot of hardware. Yeah, dude. It is crazy. Total casualties during the entirety of Operation Overlord, so both phases, for the alley. <laughs> the alleys. For the alleys. Team alleys. Team alley. <laughs> for the allies, this includes injured, missing, and dead. Okay. The number is somewhere between 225 and 226,000 people. Yeah. Well, I mean, the two phases lasted months. Yeah. Like, yeah, three months. And D-Day was particularly bad. Mm -hmm. But still, that's a lot of people. Total German casualties, the number varies, but like the generally accepted number is around 289,000. Okay. So a little more. Yeah. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Finally, the last thing. Yeah. This is like just so a perfect little button. <laughs> the night before the Normandy invasion, Hitler gives strict orders to not be woken for any reason whatsoever. Okay. Do not wake me up or so help me God, I will kill you. I don't want to know anything. I need a good night's rest. Exactly. So the morning of the attacks... Hitler doesn't wake up until, like, sometime between 10 and 11 a.m. And by then, the battle's over. Yeah, it's a little too late. Well, you said, don't wake, don't. Don't wake me. How was your sleep? When he did hear the news, he refuses to send reinforcements, thinking that Normandy was still a diversion from Calais. Oh, He so... was convinced that that fake army He thought that was, was real. Oh. How embarrassing. Yeah. And by the time he does send reinforcements, it's too late. What a loser. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Mm, good riddance. And he could have had all those tanks there. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Yep. They should have listened to Rommel. They like Looney Tunes his ass. They literally did. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Bugs Bunny shit. It's like the coyote and like the roadrunner. Yeah. <laughs> And we just dropped a piano on his head. Man, what a dummy. Mm -hmm. So that is Operation Overlord, a.k.a. Normandy, a.k.a. D-Day. D-Day. So much more involved than mm -hmm. I knew. I still can't get over they had to, like, practice. Yeah. Yeah. A rehearsal. Mm -hmm. I and mean, that so many people died during the rehearsal. Yeah. They lost a lot more on the real thing, but still, yeah, how but did they still, lose all those people? Did like a boat roll over or something? Like what I, happened? I don't know. I didn't look that deep into it. Mm. I didn't want to know. Yeah. What a bummer. You died in the training. You didn't even make it to D-Day. Yeah. Poor guys. Seriously. That's it. And that's it. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Half-Baked History Podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review or tell a friend. For show updates and more, follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Half-Baked, H-I-S-T-R-Y. See you next time.